Welcome to another episode of Aesthetics and Athletics. I'm your host, Gazi Musa, and on this show, we're sitting down with professional athletes, fitness and wellness influencers, experts, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders to talk about their personal journeys, all things affecting former and current female athletes and active women, and how to navigate a feel-good, perform-well lifestyle. Thanks for joining us. We're sitting down with Lydia Keating, former D1 rower at Yale, turned content creator and running influencer to talk the transition from rowing to running, navigating your relationship with working out in nutrition post-collegiate, the importance of movement for mental health, and finding her lane in community, also known as Fruit Gang, in quarantine. Thanks for joining us. Well, Lydia, I'm so excited to have you on the Aesthetics and Athletics podcast. I know a little bit about you from TikTok um, and rowing and things, but can you kind of tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, kind of how you got into rowing, where it all started, and if you played any other sports kind of growing up? Yeah. Um, well, thank you. First of all, thank you so much for having me. That was a lovely little intro. Um, I am from... I'm kind of, from, I'm, I like moved around a lot as a kid, but I grew, my formative years, I would say were in Rhode Island and right. Brookline, Massachusetts, which is right outside of Boston. And growing up, I feel like my parents always really wanted, like they emphasized uh, being an athlete and like doing sports. I think just they, they, they were like not helicopter parents in the sense of like, we want you to be an athlete and we want you to be the best athlete. I think they just like didn't want us sitting around. So my, and I have a yeah. brother, so they always were trying to get us to do stuff which I'm grateful for. I, when I was for probably 10 years, I was a major horse girl, which wow. our mutual friend Jada. And yes. I <laughs> no way. Yeah. I was like, so into it, like very obsessed. Um, and it, it's kind it is a culty sport, yeah. which I kind of look back on. I think I'm like drawn to cult, like communities. Yeah. Because like a subconscious like need to feel a sense of belonging and I feel like the more <laughs> culty uh, a community is the more like if you're in it you feel like you really belong to something totally. and like a horse barn is like very much like, culty vibes yeah it's such a power play to be able to like walk into a barn and like know everyone and be like yeah. hey. <laughs> that's kind of um, like walking into a gym I feel like too like if you walk into a smaller gym and you know everyone then it's like yes <laughs> yes and this is actually so relevant to like this current dilemma I have because I go to a very small gym here yeah. I live in Rhode Island and I go to a gym in Fall River Massachusetts which is like a 35 minute drive away which is kind of a hike like for yeah. a gym. You know, not the most convenient but I'm like obsessed with this gym it's like yeah. all weight training it's called infinite fitness just a little shout out shout out <laughs> But they do, um, they do kind of like personalized training plans that, um, and it's, as I said, it's all strength training. Um, but I would used to in the winter and the spring, I was going three times a week and every time, and that's like enough times a week where I feel like you walk in, you pretty much know all, all the familiar faces. Like you feel like you're a familiar face, yeah. but then in the summer, cause I was just like, wanted doing other things. I was like, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go to two days a week. And it's crazy how much now when I walk into the gym, I'm like, I don't recognize people. Like, I feel yeah. like I was like, I need to go back to three days a week so I can like be back. Be known. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, that's what I was really getting out of this. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that was a tangent really into horses 
And then my sophomore year of high school was kind of when I diverged from that. Um, My freshman year, I actually went to a boarding school in California called the Thatcher School, um, which has like a huge horse program, but it's like Western riding. And it's not so much focused on like competitive horseback riding, but more so like the responsibility. They like give you a horse your freshman year that you have to and clean and you you feed it twice a day you have to clean it stall and every freshman has to do it and a lot of the freshmen like never had touched a horse before so it's very much more like learn how to care for an animal and have like a real responsibility where if you don't follow through on the responsibility like like a horse might get you know sick or like if you don't feed it you know not that a horse we would never let a horse die because there's totally. like <laughs> years of the program. <laughs> there's a, you're <laughs> free for all. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there were like, you would get in big trouble if you like didn't show up to feed it in the morning and the night. Anyway, but then sophomore year, I moved back home mm-hmm. and I went to Brookline High School. And then my, and my brother was already into crew at the time. Brookline High School actually has a really good rowing program, which is yeah. pretty uncommon for public school because like rowing's just such an expensive sport you have yeah. to have a water near but obviously the charles is amazing yeah um but i hold in my brother was already rowing for a club so uh cri represent <laughs> um that's where i met Matt. and um that and that was such a cult and i like didn't have any friends at my at brookline high school all my friends were cri nice. Yeah, like I was like kind of a loner in high school and then I'd get to see her and I'd be like my people (laughs) but yeah and then I just like was really into crew um like really into like the fitness and the training part of it It yeah like such a sport that like pretty I mean there is a lot of technique with rowing but it's kind of the like the basically like the broad strokes of rowing is like how much no pun intended how much like pain you can be in yeah at like over you know 2000 meters which is like the race um, standard race length yeah it's kind of like I feel like cross-country running too yes how much can you sit in that pain cave because like the longer you can sit in it the like more people you'll be you know yeah no that's real yeah what what distance did you run so I yeah so I ran the 60 and the 100 and four by one so all the short stuff very few times was I sitting in a pain cave. <laughs> like yeah, I avoided the pain like, cave. Yeah. Fast. Yes. So it's like fast twitch, like just yes. how like, reactive you can be. Yes. So very short. Yeah. yeah. How did avoided you the pain cave. train that? Like what, what's, cause I feel like the training for that type of running is so different and that just like that type of like agility is so yeah. different. So like, you do a lot of speed endurance. So it's like, I would always run up to like probably 200, 150, 180, like back to back. So it's like, you're getting that endurance and that pain cave aspect, but it's short enough where you're not like overexerting your body. And our Saturday workouts were always the worst because it was like six 180s or like five 200s. It was like a lot, but I'm sure you probably faced that a lot in terms of like rowing and what that looks like. And even like the common denominator of being female athletes in college would want to hear like, did you face, do you feel like, did you face any struggles in terms of self-image or body image with rowing? Cause like, I know for personally, when I ran track, that was huge. Um, just coming onto a team and like being in a team for so long in a team environment, like culture and just avenue for that to happen. Oh yeah. Um, like a hundred percent. I, um, I, yeah, I think like it was both like a very 
like liberating experience being on my team. And I don't think all like women's sports teams are like this, but I would say like inevitably being on a, like I, on the crew team, like you are so aware of just what your body looks like. We're in our, these little spandex suits the whole time. So tight. Um, You know, and there was definitely like when, when there was like certain teammates that were like so jacked and ripped and had like six packs and then other people who were like, you know, didn't have that definition. And I feel like the people who like literally looked like they could be fitness models, like they were like, like, you know, I don't know how it is today because I feel like times have changed a lot, but like we were always commenting on each other's bodies. Yeah. I don't know if like that would fly today because like now I'm so, I like, if I see someone who like looks really good, I like never say anything because yeah. like, it's inappropriate to like, yeah. like you know, I love like the way your arms are like toned. And you never I know what they're going it. through. Yeah. yeah. You never know if like they, yeah, they might be really struggling with that. And like, yeah. you, you like, I don't, yeah, it's just not an appropriate thing to do. But at the time, you know, that's just like the way my team kind of functioned. And um, we would work out so much, like all year round, we would pretty much do two days. And I think there's also something interesting about how like you can be doing the exact same workout as, you know, 60 other women. Yeah. And so many different like outcomes of how that totally and how you look and I think that can be a bit of a mind fuck yeah because you're like wait why do they look like that but I look like this but we're both doing the same thing yeah Um, and you know it what was confusing about crew because crew so much uh like oftentimes the heavier you are the faster you perform on the erg which is basically like the machine that we use to assess how fast you are. And my coach did not do weight adjusted. Okay. So the, yeah, but that, but then I, so there was like a weird thing of like, I wanted it to be heavier, but I also wanted to look really cut. Yeah. And like I would really go back and forth with that. And then I felt by the time my junior year where I felt like, okay, I'm five, seven and a half, I'm never going to be able to compete with the six foot people on my team or like that's yeah. what I realized. I also really plateaued basically like the fastest I ever was, was my freshman year. And wow. then from there I really plateaued, which was like definitely a struggle. There yeah. were like a few moments here and there where I like had a PR my junior year or something like that, but I never had a substantial jump after my freshman year. And so then I kind of hit the point of like, okay, if I'm never going to be that fast, then I might as well look good. And that's like, obviously not a healthy thought either. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I feel like I don't have a cohesive statement to say <laughs> other than yes, yeah. definitely and working out of that my from like my first two years out of college was like a huge emotional journey yeah just in terms of like my relationship with my body but also a relationship with how I relate to like working out and like yeah. what role I want that to have in my life yeah I don't know if that's something, did you like when you graduated after like it being such a big part of your identity yes running or did you try to like stop running or what did you do that was like what something I was actually gonna ask you about too so for me it was I got out of college went to school worked in or went to move to New York worked at a large beauty company in New York was completely depressed didn't know what my identity looked like didn't work out for like a solid six months because I was just not in a good place and was like well what like what is my identity I've been working out my entire life for 13 years how does that look like and how do I process that but then also I need to get some activity in but like mentally I'm not there so Mm -hmm. it's like such an 
it's such an interesting transition and I'm interested to hear what your transition looked like, especially going from rowing and such a intense sport in that respect where you're working out, you're doing two days with like all these things. And then post-college, what did that look like? And how did you navigate your relationship with working out? How did you navigate your relationship with food? Like things like that. Yeah. So I had a similar thing. I like really relate to what you just said about I graduated and I was like, I'm not working out or I I just like, was like, I'm done with working out. I've done that. It's taken up six hours of my day for the past, like eight years of my life. Like I'm done. Um, and I think that's because like, I felt like if I was going to work out, it had to be like the most in the most physical exertion I could do in that moment, it had to be like the most intense workout. And that's what I, in my mind, I was like, okay, working out means pushing yourself as hard as you can go, which obviously is not what working out yeah. is. Working, like, I mean, like now where I am, it's like, okay, if I don't feel like going for a run, go for a 10 minute walk. Yeah. And like that, I would, that's like, I would have never thought that right when I graduated. So I, yeah, I graduated, I moved to LA. I started working in a talent agency, which is like a very corporate, like I'd get in at 8 a.m. and sometimes wouldn't leave till 8 p.m. Like it was like sitting at a desk all day. I did get a standing desk. um, Oh, love that. Yeah, and that was great. Revolutionary. (laughs) Yes, and I felt that was like a big, that was, I think probably like six months in when I started to be like, okay, I actually think I do need to be a little bit more aware of what like the role fitness plays in my life. I think a big thing for me was my whole identity up until graduating had been like Lydia's an athlete. Like, uh, and I felt like very one dimensional. Yeah. And, um, I'm sure you felt this at Harvard, but like at Yale, there's like, people are so creative and there's so many opportunities to express that creativity. There's like, there were so many, especially in the realm of like comedy, which I like was always drawn to. There was like so many talented improv groups, um, sketch comedy groups. And I would always go to their shows and be like, oh, I wish this could be part of my college experience. Yeah. But I didn't have the time. There was like no way I could have done that. I also auditioned for one my freshman year and did not get in. So it's not even, <laughs> I'm not trying to say that I would have gotten into these. Yeah. <laughs> even if I had, um, I don't think it would, it just like, it wasn't feasible with like yeah, time. Sport. Yeah, exactly. So I felt very much like when I graduated, I wanted to rid myself of the athlete identity and like embrace all other parts of myself. And yeah. So I like did that to an extreme where I was like never working out again and then got depressed. Obviously (laughs) my brain, it was used to, um, like a certain level of endorphins funneling into it. (laughs) It's not getting that anymore. And then that coupled with like, really like, uh, like conscious thoughts of like, okay, wait, my, I used to like, look, I used to have like really, I don't know, like toned arms and like, I don't have those anymore. And like, actually, wow, that's weird. Those toned arms used to be a, like a, a somehow now are a big way of like the way I cons- like felt about myself and yeah, then, like, wow. happened with like the way my body was changing. So then that's when I started to be like, okay, I need to start working out again. And of course, like, and that first response was like, okay, just go back to what you were doing when you were in college, which yeah, isn't realistic isn't like, I don't know, like sustainable. Yes. It's not sustainable. Yeah. And I don't think like to, then I would, then I'm just going to go back to being like the same one dimensional. If I'm going to the gym three hours in the morning, three hours at night, like that's not who I want to be either. Yeah. But I just felt like my, um, instinctual response. And then 
it took me probably like three years of toggling with like, okay, I want to go to the gym three days a week. Nope. I want to go every day, but I'll only go for 30 minutes or just kind of playing with different routines to figure out what works for me. And for me, I've kind of just with mental health working out every day is kind of like a non-negotiable. Like I have to do it in order to enjoy the day. Yeah. and I think just accepting that as yeah. who I am is, and as I said, that can mean going for a walk or it can mean going for a 10 mile run. It like, it, it's different every day, but just accepting that is my kind of just the way my brain is. Yeah. And, uh, that's been a big thing for me. And that was like probably starting a year ago is when I got to this, like what I think is like the healthiest spot I've been in with working out. That's amazing. And like, I love that you even said, like talk about the mental health aspect because the endorphins, endorphins really make you happy and they really yeah. keep you going. And it's so important find ways to keep your mental health and you well, especially in COVID-19 and everything that's just kind of gone on. Yeah. But even in that respect of like, I know you mentioned a little bit of comedy and like mm-hmm. working for a talent agency. How did you find kind of your lane post-college, post-collegiate? Um, and like, how did you kind of figure out what you wanted to do outside of athletics and outside of rowing? Mm-hmm. Well, um, so I, I moved to LA to like with dreams and aspirations to write for comedy TV shows. Wow. Um, so I knew I wanted to be in the comedy space. Yeah. I like wrote a list. I remember, but like on the plane to LA from Boston, writing a list of like, okay, these are the things I want to do when I get to LA. And at that point, I actually hadn't even gotten a job yet. I had like a second interview for the job, but like yeah. the, the talent like they, I was applying to be in the mail room and like, they are so like, they're not going to hire you if you're, if you're like, I'm not in LA now, but I will be like, they're yeah. such a job that like, doesn't require like very much skill. So like, why would they like wait on someone when there's like, exactly. Who can take the job <laughs> there already. So, but on the list was like, I, I, I want to do stand up, and I had like a crippling fear of public speaking. And wow. um, like, uh, even as a senior, you would never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. As I remember, like my senior year, sometimes it was like we, my team was like, we would do so many, I think things that were like kind of a waste of time, but like one of the <laughs> things we would do would be like four big races. We would gather as a team and people would kind of like have the opportunity to give a little speech of like, why this is an important race or I yeah. don't even know. It's like, of course it's an important race. Like we all know that <laughs> giving individual speeches about it, but I was like dialed into that whole thing. So I remember my scene and it was more common for like seniors to say something like freshmen wouldn't really like say anything, but like yeah. upperclassmen would. And there was like one time my senior year where I like said something before our Princeton duel and um, my like voice was trembling. And like, I, I remember it like just being like nonsensical. Like I don't even think <laughs> point I wanted to make a cross and I sat back down I'm like how do I have and I remember one of my teammates being like you okay and I was like I oh, that was just so scary and like yeah. these are people who I spend all my time with and even in front of them I'm scared to like speak publicly so stand up that's all to say that stand up felt like this very like scary goal but I had this really strong desire to do it I never got on a stage until a year and a half like living in LA so it took wow. me a yeah, but there's like there's so much comedy in LA and so many open mics because like so many people want to be stars. So I like always knew where the open mics were, and I I finally finally did it. it was so bad, um, but something about it made me come back. Um, 
And then going back to like the, what we were talking about earlier with like wanting to belong in a community, what I started to realize was that stand-up was very much a very like small insular community, even in like a big city like LA. And I think that's a huge reason why it became like kind of addictive for me to like want to go every day, show up at the same spots, see like my friends, I like yeah. so my friends. And, um, just like the more I did it, the more I felt like I, the more I, first of all, like started improving a lot. And then also, um, felt like I really had a sense of belonging in the community. And like the more, you know, because a lot of the way stand up works is like, unless you're a headliner, you're not getting booked at like big clubs. And so yeah. what a lot of people, a lot of like young standups produce, their own shows Uh, and so like you're only going to get booked on like other people's shows if your friend like if you're friends with them and like, yeah yeah it, it just became like uh a cycle of like the more I was into it the more I got into it. like uh, like just like I kept leaning more and more in and then the pandemic happened but yeah yeah I don't know how I felt like why I felt that was where I wanted to go but I I just like really wanted to do stand-up even as like when I was in college but just never did it in college that totally makes sense and mm-hmm. it's interesting too because you can see so much of your comedy come through in your TikToks and oh, I want to so nice. and I want to know like did you start TikTok in the pandemic before the pandemic like you've obviously blown up and like have a cult following with your fruit gang and a, a back to the aspect of community too but like when did you start TikTok and like how did you know like when you started obviously you don't know when you start but like as it developed, like, how did you see it going? And especially with the creator culture, like that you're in now, how like that phase of like life in that lane, like, how did you like navigate all of this? Um, yeah, great question. So the pandemic happened, as I said, I was like, so like obsessed with stand up at the time. And I think a part of being so into stand up was like, in, at the the mindset I was in, like living in LA and being in like the performance community was like, it's very, like, very normal to be just overtly like, yeah, I want to, I want to be a famous performer one day, like that, yeah. that very normal thing to say out loud, everyone is on the same page. Um, and like, whereas like now I'm, I'm living in Rhode Island and like, yeah. it is not normal. Like, <laughs> yeah. People ask me what I'm up to. I'm like, ah, I, um, I produce digital content. Like, I don't <laughs> know how to say it. Like, you know, especially talking to like parents and older yeah. people, it's like, they're like, what's like, digital content? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, I'm like, oh, I work out and I show my runs. It's like, that's a whole thing. But basically like, I felt like because I'd been doing so much live performance, I yeah. felt braver to put stuff out on the internet whereas like before I'd be like scared to post like a normal I don't know that you know everyone's like don't perceive me I don't want to be perceived in that mindset of like when I would post anything on my Instagram like I'd be like oh what is my that random person from high school gonna think of me but I was kind of just like whatever who gives a fuck like (laughs) post whatever I want um sorry I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this you're so (laughs) bad um so yeah I started like doing a lot of sketch like writing a lot of sketches I already had all these like jokes that I'd written from my stand-up material and I was putting a lot of that on Instagram and it was doing fine whatever like my friends would comment and be like haha you know like yeah. it wasn't like I wasn't blowing up yeah. <laughs> um but I then th- there was a video I made that I was like, this is too embarrassing to put on Instagram. So I was like, you know what? let's just dabble in TikTok. So I posted it on TikTok. It was, I don't know how familiar you are with my TikTok, but the beginnings of my TikTok were all 
story times. Are you familiar with that? Yes. Yes. And I would be like putting on makeup while telling a story. So this very first one, and it was a comedic story. I, I, I was putting on makeup while telling this like ridiculous, but like funny story. Yeah. It was somewhat fictionalized, not totally true. Um, and it like blew up, like it got 3 million views wow. in like one day. And I was just like, that was unheard of. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> like I don't what? even know. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, you know, naively I was like, I'm famous now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am, <laughs> I'm like, I'm a celebrity. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm like, Kardashian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, where's my TV deal? <laughs> Um, so then, but then I like, was just like posting after that. I was like, okay, I need to like keep posting on TikTok. So I posted like other stuff did not get nearly the same amount of traction as this original video. Yeah. Um, because that's kind of, as you know, how TikTok works, like someone can have a content go viral and like, you know, great, but like yeah. maybe get a few thousand followers from it, but like, you know, that doesn't, that's not quite enough to like be a creator. Yeah. So I like looked back and I was like, okay, what was it about that first video that did well? Who really knows? But I'm like, let's just try and do another one very similar to it. So I did another story time, basically recycling my stand-up material. A lot of my stand-up, by the way, like some people do like one-liners. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't really my style. Like I definitely did more like stories and um, like, you know, there was much more of like a narrative arc to it. So I did, I had, I had a lot of like stories that I could do already. Um, so my next TikTok I did was about this time that I fainted in a CVS and like, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was really scary actually. But also I don't, have you ever fainted? No, I haven't. I don't lock my knees and I always inquire and mm-hmm. they were like, don't lock your knees, you'll faint. So I like, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I, it was the only and first time I fainted, knock on wood, because I don't really <laughs> want to faint again. I will say though, it feels like weirdly kind of euphoric. Like it Ooh. feels really good to faint. And um, I just actually think I hadn't eaten enough that day, which yeah. like, uh, I was not it was because I like felt kind of sick and I don't and, and also I, I was like had this abusive boss mm. um and I don't use that term lightly but she was yeah. like she was like sending me these awful texts like I had kind of messed up at work that day and the only way she communicated with me was via text oh no and <laughs> It was like, I was getting all these texts. I like, and then all of a sudden I'm like trying to buy Gatorade and Ritz crackers. And then I like blacked out and then wow. blacked back in. And like, it was like, I was, sur- and it was on Valentine's day too. And I was, Love surrounded that. By, yeah, <laughs> very romantic. I was surrounded <laughs> by these like really hot EMTs. And so it's kind of just like a joke of like, yeah. you know, they were asking me all these questions, like, where do you live? What day is it? And I was like, okay, they're obsessed with me. Yeah. <laughs> A whole joke about that, but I ended up going to the ER. Wow. Anyway, that story, then all I did a story time doing the makeup that also blew up on TikTok. So I was like, okay, my thing is story times. So I started doing more and more of those, started kind of like making that once I ran out of like true stories, started making some stories up. And then I would say my content took a turn when I started telling scary stories. Mm. So I like stopped doing the comedy. And th- and this is where I feel like I was at the point where I was just trying to chase like followers and trying yeah. to chase like virality. I don't know if that's a word, but like, going yeah. viral. um, and like lost a little bit of sight of like my artistic integrity in a sense of like, okay, what is the content I actually want to be making? Yeah. Uh, I don't really think I want to be telling scary stories on the internet. Like, yeah. <laughs> I want to be a comedian or like, I, that's just like, not what I want to be doing. But I, but the scary stories actually 
were more successful than the funny ones because wow. I think like you know in generally in like the realm of like film and TV yeah. dramas were more successful than comedy totally. like, you know that whole thing so it makes sense to me and there's like you can do cliffhangers and dramas and stuff like that so I was doing a lot of like and then she heard a noise like, yeah <laughs> And then so, part two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I do part two. And then really, I really got myself in trouble was I started doing part three. I'd be like, if you want part three, it's on YouTube. And people <laughs> would get pissed. Yeah. <laughs> I made them go to YouTube. They'd be like, this bitch smacking. <laughs> I was like, oh my word. <laughs> people would get so mad. Yeah. Um, so, uh, sorry, this is the most long-winded answer. Like, <laughs> like, sometimes when I can talk so long, I'm like, I am a narcissist. Why can I talk this much about myself? But I'm going to try and wrap it up. So, <laughs> like, I got to a point in the winter where I wasn't motivated to tell, do these stories anymore. Also, they would, like, take a lot of time. Like, I started getting more and more, like, involved with my makeup. And, yeah. like, I hadn't really worn a lot of makeup before. So, I didn't really know what I was doing. That was another thing I got, like, absolutely roasted for on TikTok is how bad my makeup was I will say I think I improved quite a bit yeah but I started doing like multicolored eyeshadows honestly Ooh. it was kind of cool yeah um I was into it but anyway they the make the whole process of like putting on the makeup and like I would also I wouldn't film on TikTok I would film on just like my iPhone's camera and then I'd go into final cut I got final cut pro which is yeah like wow software which I really didn't need like <laughs> what I could have done iMovie but I was like I am a digital you need creator. to do you need to get the prime of the prime <laughs> I need all the equipment and I would like edit in Final Cut Pro anyway like the, if I was going to do a story time it would pretty much take me like that would be like my event of the day that I would wow. be like you know making a video and and so I was really only posting one time a week so then I on my for you page I was seeing a lot of other like like kind of like lifestyle creators like yeah more like internet personalities who were like showing all aspects of their life and during covid going back to what we were talking about before i would say like covid the and just like being quarantined that was like a really i feel like i learned so much about my relationship with working out because of quarantine because yeah. it was like the last thing i had like i was like hanging on by a thread and oh, all really? i had was like the one thing i could control was working out so I, um, I was getting, like, I was running like 10 miles a day and like getting so into it and like just loving it. And it was like this, I was also, I had moved back home at that point. Cause another element I should say is that I had lost my job in wow. June uh, or July. And so I really doubled down on like, well, I don't really want to look for another job. I have yeah. like, 500,000 followers on the internet. Let's like try and make, make this magic. Yeah. yeah. Let's make it a career. So I was like, I had, I, I basically uh, was like, why don't I start showing this like workout and fitness stuff? I was seeing other creators do it. Why can't like, I'm, you know, I'm very, I feel pretty knowledgeable. I mean, you know, when you're a college athlete, you kind of graduate like with your degree, but then also I feel like you graduate low key with a degree on like fitness and yes. like training and nutrition. Like you like, I feel like so that's one thing I'm grateful for as a college athlete, where I feel yeah. like I have this foundational knowledge. Um, so I just started sharing that. And that's it, at first, it, no one cared. At first, people were like, where are the story times? Because like <laughs> up until that point, I was like, I was like the story time girl or one of the many. Yeah. And then, and then I had one, my, I feel like kind of like a seminal video that took off for me is when I was going on a uh, 13 mile run or like a half marathon. I don't know. Yeah. 
13.1. Um, and I, it like got 6 million views. It was like, wow. get ready with me to go on a run. Yeah. I didn't think anything would happen, but like, and then I think what had happened was that video got like pushed to the for you pages of people who were interested in like workout. People yeah. Yeah. And like workout accounts. And so then I got like all these other followers wow. that I've never like reached before. And then I was like, okay, well, this is the content I want to be doing. I don't want yeah. to be talking stories anymore so that's when I started that's when the kind of fruit gang emerged yeah it's mm -hmm. wildly crazy to me that you can just be like yeah I'm gonna run 13.1 or I'm gonna run 10 miles today and I'm like <laughs> it's so inspiring though like uh -huh. I ran a half marathon last August and trained like for three months did the virtual series and yeah. that is not easy like it is truly not easy and didn't eat like because I'd run like 10 miles before and like was like oh I'm fine not eating yeah. died at three miles oh, and I'm no. like gauzy <laughs> um but even on that like what do you in terms of like your running and like what do you need to have a quality run? Because you obviously mm. have run so much, run 13.1, run 16, run marathons, like have a whole community built on that. What do you think like are the quality things that you need to run for someone who just, what someone who's into running or someone who's just starting running or someone who's going to run a marathon, a half marathon? Yeah, that's a great question. And a lot of people ask me that. So maybe we'll cut this clip out and I'll post it on my Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, so it, you need definitely like to be focused on your nutrition and like what fuel you're going to run uh, or you're going to use before your run and during your run. So I, did you went on your half marathon? Did you bring any like goose or like, that's uh, where I messed up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, people always say like, you eat a goo, not like you eat a goo at mile three, not for mile four, you eat a goo at mile three for mile six. Cause like wow. that, that's when that nutrition starts, you know, hitting. Yeah. Um, so I would say if I'm going on a run, that's anything longer than 40 minutes, um, I'm very like deliberate about how I prepare. So I'll, if I'm going for a long run, I usually always do it in the morning. Um, just cause I feel like the morning is when I can control like what I eat before everything leading up to it. So I'll always have coffee because I am like caffeine's a big thing for me. That's obviously yeah. for everyone. And I'll have usually like my, my, my bread and butter pre big run meal is oatmeal with a banana and usually like a dollop of peanut butter and cinnamon, whatever you want to yeah. add, but like definitely like a big bowl of oatmeal. Um, and then, you know, I'll take care of my business, take my poop, and then I'll be you gotta ready. Take the poop. <laughs> for, you gotta take the poop. Yeah. People like I'll, I'll like do sometimes do like uh pre run, like little TikToks and yeah. people see me drinking coffee and they're like, girl, I could never, I'd be shitting. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I am don't you worry <laughs> just don't show happens. that <laughs> yeah yeah it's happening before the run queen yeah. um so yeah I'll always like make sure I have like a big fuel before let that sit for usually an hour like if I'm doing a big run I'll usually wake up like an hour and a half before and like that all that prep kind of happens up until like my start time I also think like for anyone who's listening to this who's like trying to get into like longer distances yeah um if you're gonna do it in the morning I think a really helpful thing for me at least is to be like okay when is my start time for this run and like planning that out the night before yeah because that just like you know what time you're gonna get out the door and maybe this is coming from like the athlete background where like yeah. our whole team is like start times at seven that means you get there at like 6 30 like all exactly. these things 
but I think just being very like uh, specific about when you're going to start your run is big. And then on the run, if I'm going anything longer than eight miles, I'll probably bring like a camel pack, um, a camel back, camel pack, <laughs> but camel backpack, like, camel backpack, um, that where I can drink water, um, during I, and I'll usually bring two to three goose three. I probably won't eat three, but I'll definitely eat if I'm let's, let's say I'm going for like 13.1 miles. I have yeah. I'll eat for sure one at like mile 5.5, mile six, and then I'll eat one at mile 10 or 11. Um, and so, and then if I were to go like longer, like if I was going for 16, then I eat another one at mile 14. Basically it, I think I'd be eating a goo every like three and a half miles okay. after I pass mile six, not to Got get it. too nitty gritty of it, but yeah, that's kind of, that's how I, uh, prep and how I stay fueled during it. And it is night and day how wow. much like paying attention to that, those like little specifics of, uh, nutrition affect your workout. Like when yeah. I don't have a do, like I feel dead, like you can feel it. I mean, you, yeah. know, it's like you were there, you can feel it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mile 10, I hit it and was like, oh, well, this is not looking good. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Like, good for you. For, did you finish? And Yes, I finished. Yeah. Good for you. Where, so yeah. where did, was it? You said So seaweed? it was the Lululemon Seaweeds Half Marathon. It was virtual. So I ran it in Seattle on the Burt Gilman, and I mm -hmm. had a pacer. I was trying to go like 8.30, like under two hours. I ended up going like 2.10, I think, because mm. I just died at the yeah, end. Yeah. But yeah. It was a, it was, I like, I have an itch. I think I want to try again. Cause I'm like, yeah. ah, like the athlete in me is like, we got to get faster. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you should. I mean, like, I actually, like, if you just like bring some, like, it doesn't have, some people hate goo, by the way, like yeah. I think it's very polarizing. Um, the Gatorade or not Gatorade, Cl I think it's like Cliff, Cliff, Cliff bar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They make like such good gummies. Like I yeah. buy them and then I always end eating them like in my bed and not yeah. <laughs> So I probably hide them. Yeah. But those are so good. <laughs> okay, good to know. I will have to look at those and get those. And then I just have yeah. two more questions for you. But one of those is I know you talk about this in your TikTok too, but I think me personally realizing that, like, yeah, I was in sort of into makeup and skincare before athletics, but like not really because I didn't have time and like mm -hmm. your schedule is so busy. Like, mm -hmm. what? and you're running a lot. So you're in the sun all the time. Like mm -hmm. what's your skincare routine? Like, how do you make sure that like, you're just keeping your skin prime and good? Yeah. Um, so I'm like very, uh, like every day I put on sunscreen, no matter yeah. whether it's winter, whether I'm like going out for a run or just like waking up, it's like, I'll always have put on sunscreen. Um, and I think like key for that is just finding a sunscreen that doesn't feel like heavy yeah. or like it's like clogging your pores because that used to be like my aversion to um sunscreen is like oh this is gonna make me break out I can like feel it's like oily on my skin yeah not, they don't even sponsor me but like then I'm just gonna give them a clout anyway the Dermalogica yeah is, it's like SPF it's kind of like a BB cream or is okay that yeah 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 it's so good. And like, so, um, it just feels like lightweight. It's like SPF 35, I think, which I think ideally like you'd like an SPF 50, but Hey, any, I feel like better than SPF. Better 50. than nothing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, and if I'm going on, like, if I'm going for a run, then I'll, I'll put, usually put that on in the morning, but then I'll put additional sunscreen on yeah. before I go. I have like, 
I think because I'm 26 and like, once you hit, like, I think it's literally, I don't know, maybe not for everyone, but once I hit 25, I just like yeah. became like extremely aware of how I'm like a woman in my mid twenties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Soon I'll be a woman in my late twenties <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> going and going. And then, you know, <laughs> you get getting older. So I became almost too like, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, okay, just relax, Lydia. But I, well, I did a TikTok video about this. I don't know if you saw, I got Botox. Like, does it feel fine? <laughs> Yeah, I feel, I mean, this is as far up as I can like, <laughs> like my eyebrows. When you get Botox when you're in your 20s, everyone calls it like preventative Botox yeah. because like you're not getting it to like correct any wrinkles necessarily. And you get it like six, every six months. So that's yeah. it's not necessarily part of my routine. I think I probably will keep doing it. Like there's like Botox horror stories where like you get like one eye is like paralyzed, oh, no. all that stuff. So it's, it is kind of scary because it yeah. is like some Needle. sort of like, yeah, it's a, it is a needle and it like paralyzes your forehead. <laughs> <laughs> we love that. <laughs> we love a paralyzed forehead. <laughs> yes. So yeah, that's like another thing I do. But I think like I, I, I use a lot of, I use the youth to the people green tea or kale green. I forget what it's called, but they're, they're like famous cleanser. Yeah. Um, I did just like break out on my chin because I do get hormonal acne still. Yeah. <laughs> we love, uh, we love that. <laughs> Another thing um, we love. <laughs> another thing. Yeah. Um, so when I get like breakouts, I use like the benzoyl peroxide is like that, like um, you can get it anywhere, like CVS, like ben- you just look at like the benzoyl peroxide stuff, but that usually helps with like if I'm actually breaking out, but it is kind of harsh on the skin. So I don't try, unless I'm like having issues, I try not to use that. But I, yeah, I do like a lot of moisturizer um and just sunscreen honestly um I feel like I never thought I'd be that girl because in college I like always wanted to get like I wanted to get that tan Tan, yeah I did not care about my skin and like we're out on the water in the fall when the sun is still strong in this late spring like being out in the water for three hours no sunscreen I'm like I can't believe I did that but yeah I did and so I feel like I'm kind of making up for for errors of my past. That's real. Yeah, I need to start wearing more sunscreen. Apparently you're supposed to wear sunscreen when you're indoors. So I'm like, I got to get on that because I've always been like, oh, I don't need sunscreen, but no, I do. (laughs) Yeah, apparently the light from your computer also like- Just everything. Everything's going to give me cancer. Everything's going (laughs) to- But in terms of like my last question for you is um, aesthetics and athletics is obviously to empower and inspire the athlete and every woman and Mm -hmm. really plays on this, like, instead of this look good, feel good, feel good mentally, emotionally, spiritually in order to perform well physically. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice on how to live like the feel good, perform well lifestyle and what that looks like? Yeah, I I wanted to say this earlier. Sorry, lawnmowers in the background. You're so fine. (laughs) <laughs> I, I wanted to say this earlier when we were kind of like talking about that sort of thing. Um, a shift for me that like really was a positive shift in my relationship with working out is like um, working out is like a tool you can use like when you're feeling your worst. Like I used to think, oh, you had to work out when you're feeling your best because that's when you're going to get the best workout in. But like a shift for me was like, no, actually work out when you're feeling your worst. Ideally, you're never feeling your worst, right? Like, yeah. But like, you know, for us mentally ill queens, like like, we embrace that. (laughs) Yeah, we embrace that. And so I think like in any movement is going to make you feel better. And I think when you're feeling really low or you're feeling like not great about your body, um, whatever it may be, like the last thing you kind of want to do is like embrace your body and embrace movement. But um, 
that like historically for me has been like I'll I'll go for a walk and I'll be like that was so much better than I my my messed up brain would have ever anticipated that making me feel but like I think um just like knowing that's working out is like something in your toolkit that you can use for your mind. But yeah, work out when you feel your worst because it's going to then lead you to feeling better. <laughs> that's so true. And that's like amazing, especially even in COVID, the importance of working out for your mental health and like staying mentally well because we're in the thick of it. We truly are. And I, I feel like um, when I've posted stuff in the past about like working out as like an not an antidote but like as a response to like depressive thoughts like yeah sometimes we're like oh you're that you can't actually be depressed if like you're still able to work out and it's like that is not true at all like no working out is such a valid response and such a a helpful like way to lift yourself drudgery so like i i think it it's more powerful than i think now there's more and more awareness of how powerful totally working out be part of your routine if you struggle with mental illness but like um sometimes I think it's like undermined yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. and I love that you even brought that up because it's so important the aspect of endorphins making you happy and yeah. what that looks like but Lydia I just want to thank you so much for being on the aesthetics and athletics podcast and you can just let us know where the listeners can find you TikTok Instagram all that jazz oh well first of all thank you for having me on this has been such a pleasure and a joy and I think what you're doing with this podcast is so brilliant and important can't wait to watch it grow and um, watch you grow with it uh you can find me my Instagram is Lydia Lou one two and my TikTok is Lydia Lou one two one and that starting this fall I'm doing a lot more YouTube so this is Lydia Keating so but there's nothing great on it yet but there will be it's coming it's coming (laughs) well thank you Lydia Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Aesthetics and Athletics. If this episode resonated with, inspired, or empowered you in any way, let me know. New episodes come out every other week, so subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or a view of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. You can connect with Aesthetics and Athletics by following the at Aesthetics underscore underscore Athletics account on Instagram. Again, thanks for listening.